Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jans, co-founder former CEO of Agency Revolution, and today delighted to be your podcast host, broadcasting from the Casita here in Tunnel Hills, Arizona. And I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Attract. Attract. It's a powerful marketing suite that enables you to spend less time on marketing, more time on those things that you excel at growing your business. Attract gives you the technology and the content you need to find your ideal prospect and turn them into your best customer. If you haven't done it, do yourself a favor. If you haven't done it lately, do yourself a new favor. Visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of their award-winning software. Um, Terrific, articulate, intelligent guest today. I want to give you a sense of what's coming down the pike also. Uh, Some really exciting conversations right around the corner. Um, My conversation with Mark McLaughlin um, will be published relatively soon. He's the general manager of insurance at IBM, heads their entire insurance uh, initiative. Great insight on where we're going and things you need to do now in order to succeed in the next 12 to 36 months. Likewise, terrific conversation with Darcy Darnell. Also will be published soon. She's the head of um, global and America's customer practice with extensive experience advising financial services clients like insurance carriers on the changing economic and regulatory landscape. Uh, Also, uh, really insightful. Um, Those of you who follow my work know that I'm a big fan of uh, Bain's research. So I dig into it there. Um, I can't wait to share that conversation with you. Also around the corner, Marty Ellingsworth, who is the Executive Managing Director of Property and Casualty Intelligence at J.D. Power. Great insight on what today's customer wants. So, uh, a lot of really terrific conversations around uh, the corner. These three, admittedly, more strategic than tactical. More about actions and behaviors to install in your agency now in order for you to thrive in the next 12 to 36 months. Very little about how to get six new Facebook likes by Tuesday. Uh, that said, I also wanted to share with you a very exciting project. I've teased it out a little bit. I've reflected. Now we, as you are well aware, maybe, we're well over 250,000 downloads. Um, We have now recently passed our five-year anniversary. And I've reflected on those things that I have learned. And I've um, synthesized, summarized, analyzed, and categorized the messages that have been recurring and particularly poignant. I've identified six key strategic um, imperatives that agencies should be aware of around areas like uh, strategy, marketing, innovation, technology. And um, I've identified um, 
key uh, insights uh, and also uh, potentially um, compelling initiatives that your agency uh, and agencies should be considering. I'm presenting um, those uh, six um, principles in a workshop, uh, in an upcoming workshop with my mastermind group. If you're interested in participating in that, this really is a reflection on on the six critical lessons uh, that I've learned and I hope listeners have learned from my interviews with over 220 of the top leaders, CEOs, insurtechs, advisors, journalists, analysts, um, super successful agents, marketers, and much, much more. So um, if organic growth gets your juices going, you can reach out to me and ask questions about it. I'm happy to share with you what I'm doing. Michael at michaeljans.com. So now, without further ado, um, I'm excited to introduce you to this conversation with James Benham. James is a longtime InsureTech uh, CEO, 21 years, um, so er an early pioneer. Um, he's the co-founder and CEO of JB Knowledge and a number of tools which are used every single day over and over in the insurance industry. In this conversation, uh, we talk about emerging trends that you should be aware of. We talk about um, steps that agents can take now to really dramatically improve and enhance the customer experience and how to use that competitively. Uh, we talk about um, James's insight on two key functions that every agency should have now. And these are really functions for the, not, for the modern age, uh, having to do with data and data analysis and mining the data in your book of business for, um, for the power, uh, the competitive power that they can bring to you. And also, no surprise, um, how to use um, technology to the highest possible leverage. So uh, a lot, strategic and some actually very practical tips in this conversation. It is a privilege to introduce you to this conversation with James Benham. James Benham. How Howdy. are you? Outstanding. Howdy. <laughs> All right. Now I'm looking forward to this conversation. This is going to be really interesting because of the role you played in the industry and some of the contributions you've made. For those who don't know you perhaps as well as I do, James, who are you? I'm CEO of JB Knowledge. Uh, we're an insurance services firm that helps carriers, brokers, third-party administrators, and PBMs build enterprise software to manage their enterprises. Uh, and I'm also CEO of two different InsurTech product companies, TerraClaim and Smart Compliance. Uh, TerraClaim is a next-generation intelligent claims management product that uh, manages work comp, auto, general liability, property, uh, insurance claims and policies and smart compliance is a claim subrogation uh, tool that that manages a certificate of insurance collection and tracking. So that's that's what we do as a business. All together, we've got about 270 employees and we, we get to sell all over the world, but we have operations in the United States, in Argentina and in South Africa. Mm -hmm. as, a, as a person, uh, I am uh, a very proud Texan from College Station, Texas. I did graduate from Texas A&M University in my undergrad and master's. I, I was born and raised in South Louisiana, but I've been in Texas. <laughs> I, I, uh, and, 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 we're, and, we're, and we're recording this on Mardi Gras, so you're lucky that I'm uh, that I'm not covered in Mardi Gras beads right now. Uh, but 
I, I am a native of South Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to throw you any beads either. Yeah, um, exactly, now, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now you're you're lucky that you, that, that uh, you know that nobody can from Louisiana can find you. When you say you were born there, but you're a proud Texan, you're taking some chances, aren't you? <laughs> I I am, you know. But uh, Texas is it's the it's I think it's one of the greatest places on earth. Uh, I I didn't get to arrive here until I was 18 years old and came here for college, fell in love with the place, stayed and started started JB Knowledge out of my dorm room my senior year at A&M and I've been running it for 21 years and I've really just enjoyed building a business here and, and the personal liberty and freedom and freedom of uh, oppression and taxes that Texas provides. There's a reason that Elon Musk and HP Enterprise and Oracle and everybody is opening offices here because it's uh, it's truly a great place to build a business. But, you know, on a personal level, I'm, I, I love playing music. Uh, I, uh, I also am a pilot, so I like to fly every week. And um, there's more airports in Texas than any other state in the country. So it's, it's just a great place to pursue your hobbies and build a business and, and have a great time. All right. Now that we've had the sales pitch for Texas, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the insurance industry. Um, yeah, what's interesting here is that you, um, particularly since you actually started in software, I think when you were like a Cub Scout, yep. um, you um, have been in insure tech uh, perhaps as long as I have, because uh, my company, I think, developed its first product in 1999. Yep. ZipDrip, the first automatic email marketing system for insurance agents. It preceded Agency Revolution. Uh, so you are one of those who, uh, if you Googled the word like in short tech, uh, in Google Trends, you know, you'd find that it really, it didn't show up until years after some of us were actually making in short tech. Um, yeah. So you, you've been in that part of the industry so long. I want to start there. Um, we are, we're, uh, <laughs> As the Chinese curse says, says, we're living in interesting times. And I think in the insurance industry, we certainly are. Um, things are, th there's no question that this is a different industry in so many ways than it was even five years ago, certainly 10 or 20 years ago. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that tech is upstream and it tends to change everything downstream. And so I'm going to start there. Um, first, just your long view, having been in insurance technology so long, what do you think is happening right now? Well, anytime I give a speech, uh, I, I, I'm a member of YPO and, and got to speak with my fellow YPO members recently on InsureTech. And I started out by just saying, let's define what the hell InsureTech is. First, fair enough. But what, what does that even mean? We're sitting in an industry that, according to the Gartner Cross Industry Average, is dead on average. Uh, it's not below average. It's not above average. It's dead on average as a percent of revenue spent on technology. Okay, so that means that we we have an average adoption rate for new technology. Uh, now, I've also done a lot of work in construction because the insurance and construction have tons of overlap. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and construction spends one percent of revenue on IT. Insurance is three percent. The cross industry average is three percent. So technology is nothing new to insurance. And, and I and I always uh, get a little surprised if people ever say that uh, that insurance is a laggard in tech adoption because it, it statistically speaking it's not. 
And if you look at one of our biggest problems we have now, I mean, InsureTech is really a new phrase for something that's always been going on since the advent of computers, and that is the digitization of a very paper-based process. Mm -hmm. Right, and that—that's why I think it's always helpful to define what modern insure tech means. When we say insure tech, we're not just talking about creating applications, because Lord, we've been doing that for decades in insurance. Way before the word insure tech was around, we were taking paper out of the process. Right. You know, modern insure tech involves a great deal of automation, a great deal of machine learning, artificial intelligence, a great use of big data. Right. I mean, these are things that did not exist 20 years ago that are being leveraged now. Our machine learning existed, but it was in a primitive form. It's far more sophisticated. Big data was just an idea, not a reality. And, and so when you, when you combine you know, big data and IoT as well was a pipe dream. When you take like IoT and big data and machine learning and cloud computing, these are all things that are relatively new that are in this jumbo or this jambalaya, this gumbo of of insure tech. You're trying to show your Louisiana fans. That yeah, you're well, really... I just, I just, I just, I, I just spent five days in New Orleans celebrating uh, Mardi Gras, so okay. I, I am feeling, I am feeling a little extra Cajun today. But that, that to me is the deal because back in the day we were, we were just talking about going paperless, going digital. Right. That, that, that was really the major yeah. push was how, mm -hmm. how do we how do we digitize the paper process? How do we stop printing paper? And I remember my the projects I built in insurance tech 17, 18 years ago were really about going and looking at uh, a, an adjuster's desk or an inspector's desk and looking for the paper, getting it on the screen. I mean, that that was step. That number was it. One. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that that's like a early phase. Like yeah. Whatever. Call it phase oh. one. And so now uh, we're in a different phase where there, as for you mo said, for most, not all, <laughs> for yeah. most, as an industry. Okay. Um, there, there's a there's a big back end of that bell curve, and and so now we've got new capacities: artificial intelligence and machine learning, big data. Um, Internet of Things, cloud, cloud, cloud computing. computing. And so what does that tell us about what's happening now? And then the second part of the question is, what do you see that means um, in regards to the next two or three years? Where, where are we going? But let's start like right now. What, what, what's the impact of those capabilities? Well, first off, we can dramatically improve the customer experience for the existing providers in the marketplace, their customers. And now look, you can talk, and I just had a conversation about this today with, uh, with a, uh, an agent in Latin America, and we were talking, you know, are brokers gonna be disintermediated? And like, I, I really don't think they are. I think the, the role of my insurance broker of the firm that I use is stronger now and more important than it was 10 years ago. They're utilizing more technology than they ever have. It's more valuable to me than it's ever been. My relationship with them is stronger as a result. Um, and so I, I, I bristle at the, the topic that, and you've heard it, there's a lot of folks who raise a lot of money in Silicon Valley who have very little tenure uh, in, the, in the halls of insurance carriers uh, they really haven't spent a lot of time. And so they say, well, we're going to disintermediate everybody 
we're going to go D to C direct to consumer for every line. And we're going to cut the middleman out. We're going to streamline. Okay. Well, the reality is that hasn't happened. I mean, that it hasn't well, happened. <laughs> that, and that's what people were saying in like the year 2000. Yes, it was. Or, or, and it and, still and hasn't when, happened. And when Bill Gates said that, right, when he used that word disintermediate, it didn't happen. So, no. um, but what we are doing is dramatically improving the tooling with which the existing players in the industry can deliver their products in a much more efficient way. Now, the things I appreciate about the direct-to-consumer plays like Lemonade or Hippo is they challenge the user experience for buying and binding and submitting a claim. And, and the existing leaders in the market have had to adopt, but they have adapted. And they're, they're utilizing a lot more big data down to streamline all these applications down. And they're streamlining the claim process. And they're, auto, they're starting to work on auto adjudication. So it's been, it's been really valuable. It's been a valuable exercise. Um, but we, at the end of the day, the public markets value underwriting profit. And that underwriting profit has been what has been so elusive in so many of the companies that have decided to go the route of becoming a carrier. So what does the agency, I'll say the agency of the future. Okay, so let's start with that. So, you know, that's a fuzzy enough time frame that you can make it up. But um, with these trends that you're talking about, what does the agency of the future look like? How is it different than the agency of today? Well, first off, and this is going to hurt some people's feelings. <laughs> That's, I, uh, that, I've never edited or censored that stuff out of this podcast. So if, if you're, it's going to hurt some people's <laughs> feelings, but if you are still sending forms for your client to fill out, you, you are, you're in trouble. And, and what I see so much out of, of out of agents is, you know, here's the form for renewal, fill it out. Because they, look, the reality is, so many people that are in the, that are that are agents are, are trying to do as little work as possible once they land the account, and so they don't want to shop the business every year. They don't even want to fill the forms in. They don't have any system for storing data on their clients and auto populating these forms and auto submitting them, and so they. They, you know, they get a renewal PDF and they send it out and they say, hey, uh, fill this out for your renewal and uh, we're going to renew your policy, which, you know, which for, for my broker is grounds for immediate termination. Um, I think that really what the agency of the future looks like is first, it's a data first organization. Uh, ideally, if you're an, an, if you're an agency, you have to have two key positions, a chief data scientist and a chief technology officer. And those people work hand in hand to create data warehouses that are repositories of information, both on the losses that your clients have. So you can do loss runs, you can do risk reporting, you can help them with safety and environmental health. There's a lot of things you can do to really help them out, but also to store data on your clients and then using public data so that when it comes around to renewal time, you can you don't have to have them sit there and spend hours filling a form. That's a frustrating user experience for the end customer. You can say, hey, I know about you. I know about you. Let's have a meeting. Let's go over this. Here's, here's what I had last time, and here's, here's the data we have on you, and here's what we've seen changing. And we, by the way, we've identified some new areas you need coverage in, really being consultants. And, and the problem is, and this is from my personal experience because I have operations in three countries and hundreds of employees, so I, I have to buy a lot of insurance myself is the user experience is, is really pretty bad most of the time. You know, they, they really depend on you 
to self-identify changes that uh, and risk that you think you need to have covered instead of really serving in their role as a true risk consultant. And so I, I think the agency of the future has got to be a data-first organization, collecting, aggregating, storing, uh, pre-populating, uh, more aggressively shopping insurance to all the available markets and, and using technology to enable them to do that. Because we all know that a certain premium point, it is not profitable for a broker to aggressively shop policies if they're only getting 15% or 10 for whatever their, their cut mm -hmm. is yeah. of a smaller policy. And the only solution to that is technology. All right. You said a couple of things like five minutes ago, I can't let you glaze over this, that there are like two positions every agency should have. So spend a moment on that. And, and I know that for most of the listeners, they're going to be like, wait a minute, I'm not bringing like two more positions. So Let's dig into well, the function, okay, and 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 let's let's get clear on um, what do we mean by being data driven. So the two you said I, what was it a, a chief data scientist? Yeah, and so, the other uh, one, uh, chief technology officer. So they okay, probably so already have they probably already have an IT of an IT director, but uh, a CTO is going to direct the selection, the implementation, adoption, and ultimately replacement of the technologies that are driving your agency, mm -hmm. right? And so what, 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 I, what I see, even if you outsource your IT, and remember, there's a big difference between operational technology and what most um, people that own agencies consider IT. When they think of IT, they're like, oh, that's the guy who fixes my phone. That's the person who keeps the servers working. And that's the person who keeps the internet online. Sure, that's an important job. That, that you can also outsource to somebody else. But somebody in the company has to own the strategy and the direction that the company is going to take with what technology it adopts, it selects, adopts, and ultimately divests itself up to replace with something else. And occasionally, it's going to direct the development of custom proprietary in-house technology, which is a very expensive effort, but can be a sustainable or a more sustainable competitive advantage than just licensing off-the-shelf technology to run your agency. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back on that one for a moment, uh, but let's let's take a look at the data scientist. Yep. What is, what's that function? In my opinion, this is somebody, and, and look, you can spend a lot of money on people with PhDs in data yeah. science. I right. mean, let's, let's be honest here. You, you can have someone who's like a super DBA, a super database administrator, who can be your lead data person. We can call it a chief data scientist, a chief data officer. You can call this. Uh, a, you know, a data manager. There's a lot of things you could phrase this to scale it for your budget, right? If you if you use the word chief, it's going to cost you more. That's the way it works in IT. So, th this is a person who's responsible for the the sourcing, the aggregating, and the processing of data, right? Like, how are you how are you leveraging BI tools like Power BI or uh, MetaBase or Tableau, how are you managing these things? The really advanced agents that I work with have mm -hmm. some very sophisticated data aggregation operations mm -hmm. where, they're, where they're providing real-time dashboards. They're providing scheduled weekly and monthly reports. They're, they're, they're providing benchmarking of, of risk benchmarking. So they help you identify how you compare on average cost per claim, number of claims, total incurred versus your peers. That's what the sophisticated ones are doing, but they're a small handset, a small percentage of the total market. And so that's why you got you need to have somebody that's really leading that effort to source and then aggregate and then report on that data. 
Let's talk for a moment about the agency that's not prepared to make an investment in those two positions, but they appreciate um, the value of technology and the value of data. Where can they start? Appreciation is kind of meaningless. <laughs> okay. So I would say, I'd say if you, but, but, if you, but, if you, but, but, it, but it's a practical issue, James. I mean, the, 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 it's, it's a legitimate issue that, you know, if they, if they make an investment in, let's say human resource, that investment needs to come back with some kind of a return. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, in sure, some sure. cases, you know, with a, like a small to medium sized agency, they may need to outsource or find yeah. a fractional yeah, uh, yeah. response so, or technology, or in some cases, maybe the CTO position. Uh, I, I know some agency principals that have taken that on responsibly and, and maturely. And, uh, you know, they, it, it, they may not be technologists by training, but they understand the value of technology and they've taken some role in being responsible for it. So where well, do you think well, let, agencies let put it this, start? Let me put it for, this way for you. I, I ran at one time a two-person company. I ran at one time a 10-person company. Mm -hmm. I ran at one time a 30-person company. Right. I ran at one time a 50, then 100, then 150, then 200, then 250. Currently, we're at 270. There's a universal rule in business. If you want to really take somebody seriously, you put a dedicated butt in a dedicated seat and you make it their job to do it, right? That's That's when you really, when I started taking quality assurance seriously or design or, or de, you know, development or DevOps, or there's all these roles in a software company that had to be filled out. And so just in general in business, if I can't, but it doesn't mean that I necessarily fill every seat in my company with a full-timer. There are seats that I would like to have a full-timer in that I can't budget yet. And I will absolutely bring a contract uh, or outsource resource in to sit in that seat. And I make it their only thing I contract them for mm -hmm. so that their contract depends on them executing that one thing. Where I see people really fail is when they give people part-time responsibilities. When they give their existing full-time staff also RANs, like you have to also do this. That's when it falls by the wayside because inevitably every person in every company on the planet is going to pick the main thing they're going to work on every day. And so that's where I think they really have got to learn how to focus. And if you're going to outsource it, fine, dedicate the outsourcing for that. You can outsource um, BI consulting and data consulting. You can totally outsource that. Mm -hmm. You can find a firm that specializes just in business intelligence and they just do that. And, but you know, at the end of the day, like we, on our outsourcing business, and we, we have a hefty outsourcing business where insurance carriers, brokers, TPAs, where they outsource software development to us. Yeah. But a requirement on our side is they have to have somebody there that's dedicated that can be a lead internally. We can't work for the principal. It's got to be someone who is who's going to direct the technology investment and activities. Because when we have not had that, we fail. It's almost a, it's almost a statistical certainty that the same team at my company that can be wildly successful for another insurance company will fail under another who does not have dedicated leadership. Even if that dedicated leadership is just one person, mm -hmm. it, but you know, having the principal set aside part time to that, it just they just can't focus enough to really execute and follow through on, let's say, a business intelligence strategy. It's just really, really hard. And so I'd say that's the the challenge I have with what you're saying is that. And, but I, I am agreeing with you that if you can't staff these, 
you can bring outsource partners and hell we're an outsource partner for people but we won't work for them if they don't got have dedicated in-house on their technology. side they oh, have okay. to they so have look, to. Let, me, let me ask you a question I, I think we're you know we clearly agree that uh, technology is flooding the market um oh. uh, un, un, it's, unlike it's, uh, flooding maybe a maybe a stretch it's readily available well, okay. So at least relatively speaking, compared to you know when you and I started in the business. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And it Big sometimes time. feels, I think, to an agency principal who gets an inbound call every day from some sales rep representing some insure tech with some nifty name that they'd never heard of before. Um, it you know might feel like it. So um, you know you've been selling insurance software for a long time. I haven't sold it for five years myself, but one of the observations that we made as I was putting um, our sales system together was that um, but when, when we got to the point where we had a really good sales process and we really felt good about it, we, we did have to confront the reality that the folks on the other side of the equation did not have a good buying process for technology. Um, what would you say to uh, you know, industry leaders, people who run entrepreneurial enterprises in this industry, about what they should know and what they should think about when um, buying insurance? Buying insurance or buying? I'm, insurance? I'm sorry, buying buying uh, insurance technology. I was going to say we're going to buy insurance. That's a different conversation. Buying insurance tech. Uh, again, I, I go back to having at least one person in your organization that's going to spearhead. Uh, remember I said the acquisition, the selection, the yeah. review, the evaluation, right. and, and most importantly, the adoption. Where I see m people fail on more than selection because they, they often don't do a great job in their selection process of really doing a true head-to-head. -head. Or they, they get bogged down in a bunch of meaningless crap. Where they 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 start they start looking at things that don't matter in the selection process. Like they 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 uh, they look at what your limits are on your cyber policy instead of looking at how good the product is, right? Uh -huh. Like that's yeah, you know that, that and and insurance professionals can get real hung up on that where they they make the RFP process so arduous that they actually run off the good players mm -hmm. from the from the space. So I've seen that happen too. But where they where they also can get real hung up is just an adoption. Like, how do you win hearts and minds of your claims adjusters or your agents or wh whoever it is that has to use this product? It's how do we get them to touch it and use it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do we how do we train them and win their hearts and minds and get them excited about using it? Explain the benefit to them. Make it a game. Make it fun to actually adopt this. Um, and so a lot of products get get hung up on implementation as well. You know, it's it's um, it, it can be pretty tough. Uh, and, you know, so I'd say definitely that you have to learn to focus on what matters. Ideally, you'd have someone spearheading the selection and the um, re review, uh, the due diligence, and then the adoption, because that's that's such an important life cycle. And it's probably not the same person who fixes your phone, you know. And that that's the thing you have to remember is like the person who's repairing your phone and computer is probably not qualified enough in insurance speak to actually mm -hmm. help you through that selection process. All right. So in practical terms, James, given um, your observation about the industry, what, what advice would you give the principal of an insurance agency about uh, positioning themselves for success 
as this industry continues to evolve fairly quickly? I'd say first recognize that the agency's not going away. It's it's not, and I I, I think the you know, fears of the imminent demise of the agent are are far overblown. Uh, in fact, you're seeing um, more and more insured techs you know jump in and become MGAs <laughs> or agents. So you're seeing them acknowledge that. Yeah. And uh, right, and, right. Several of them as guests on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So. So I don't think, you know, I'd say first, set that aside, and just focus uh -huh. on the reality right now. The reality right now is that fear, I believe, is overblown. Uh, secondly, um, uh, you know, try to acknowledge and recognize that there is, uh, that uh, you have to adopt the methodology of self-improvement before you can really make material change. I'm a huge believer and student of lean. Um, lean manufacturing was pioneered by the Japanese. Uh, Toyota Way is kind of the lean Bible. My personal lean Bible is Two Second Lean by Paul Akers. It's a great book about improving efficiency and eliminating waste, about sweeping, sorting, and standardizing your work environment, about really learning to identify what's wasteful, because that's at the heart of, I'll call it what we did, ancient modern insure tech. That's what you and I did, ancient insure tech versus <laughs> modern. You know, we I did we did that. I do it now as modern insure tech. At the heart of that is a is a desire to eliminate manual steps, to eliminate manual processes, to definitively kill all paper forever. But you know, the you know, the, the paper's not the real threat anymore. It's Excel spreadsheets. Excel is the cancer of this industry. Ah, and ex okay. ex Excel is what we have to really learn to put into the grave. And right now, there's far too many lines of business being run on Microsoft Excel and Word documents. And, and that is a, that's a highly inefficient way of operating. It's very dangerous because the quality controls are not in place. And so we've got we've to really look at how we can put those things to bed and how we can take a lean mindset from manufacturing, apply it to insurance, become far more efficient. Because at the end of the day, if you can do that, then you can take your smaller to mid accounts that you typically couldn't dedicate much time to, and you can start dedicating time to them. You can help them grow. You can help them risk mitigate. You can shop their insurance around more. I mean, there, there's there's like practical, legitimate things you can do to dramatically improve. The other thing is that, and what we've seen, because our smart compliance product is distributed by agents, agents use it as a way to collect certificates on behalf of their clients, they charge more fees and they maintain touch, po they maintain touch points through the mm -hmm. year with their clients. So by evolving beyond just being a brokerage of other people's paper, they, and, and evolving into and actually becoming technology providers in partnership with someone like us, <clears throat> they then insert themselves into the daily lives of their client rather than just an annual buying cycle of insurance. Uh, James, I know you've got a hard stop coming up. So uh, before you have to go, tell us about the solutions that you've created and how they um, enable and empower the independent insurance agent. Yeah, well, smart compliance is the easy one because that's the, that's the one that we actually work very closely with so many agents on. And that's a certificate tracking platform. If you know, um, we, we also do certificate issuance, but most agencies have a system that will issue certs for them. Um, most of those certificate issuance systems are mediocre. Um, they're really not great at doing big bulk issuance and doing really complex issuance and requests. So we've done a lot of work around certificate issuance, but the part that the agents are really excited about is certificate collection because they're actually helping their clients 
you know, deal with claim subrogation, right? That's why you collect certificates so that if there's an accident and it's your vendor's fault, you can have a COI that you collected showing who the carriers are and what the coverage limits are, when the expiration limit, uh, dates are. And so we have a platform called Smart Compliance that does exactly that, certificate of insurance collection tracking and compliance. We distribute it through brokers and, and often the brokers will slap on the service on top of that or they'll outsource the service to us so that they can really stay hands-on with their clients through the year, helping them mitigate risk in their vendor supply chain. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's one that's really been particularly useful. The agents have loved, but where I've gotten a ton of phone calls lately, and I'll be honest, I was not surprising it because I developed this product for TPAs and and um, self-insured groups has been our TerraClaim product because you have more and more agents that are being pressured by their clients to provide aggregated loss data analysis where they're having to pull in you know uh, loss runs from multiple claim systems or multiple TPAs or multiple carriers and really produce a dashboard for their clients of like, here's all the claim activity you had across all your lines of business. Here's everything that's going on right now and provide their clients a universal picture because that would typically be something that a risk manager would do, but so many organizations don't have risk managers and rely on their agent to be their de facto risk manager. And so they're having to get into dashboarding, benchmarking, claim data analysis. And that's what we built TerraClaim for. So that's that's what's been really exciting is seeing how many agents we've talked to that you know, have rudimentary claim tracking and their agency management software. Mm-hmm, I mean, I mean, right. rudimentary ba- basic level claim tracking, but where there's a huge opportunity is to be true claim stewards for your client to help usher the claim through the claim process and then aggregate all your different claim data, uh, all your loss runs and all the claim data from all these different sources and bring it into one point of truth. So you can say, look, here's, here's what's actually, here's a comprehensive risk picture with your company right now. And so I think that's what's been more exciting. Uh, of course, both both for you know they're both great great companies, great products. But th- that's what uh, what excites me around the agent. If a listener wants to learn more about Smart Compliance or Terra Clients, Terra Clients. yeah, yeah. So Smart Compliance is SmartCompliance.co. That's SmartCompliance.co. Terra Claim is T E R R A C L A I M dot com. So one is smartcompliance.co, one's terraclaim.com. The uh, the service company that we have, JB Knowledge, and that's just a pure you know service company where we provide outsourced software development services. Uh, that's jbknowledge.com. JB is my initials, Juliet Bravo. I, I did very little creative thinking when I named that company in my dorm room. So it's still called- uh, it's, it's the it's same still, company it's, that it's, you started. Okay. Same, same company I started 21 years ago. It's called JB Knowledge. Um, we have hundreds of employees that work for some really big insurance. We work for some of the largest insurance carriers on the world, um, building proprietary in-house uh-huh. techn- technology for them. And uh, it's it, we, we also work with TPAs and brokers, and it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, so that's where you can find out more information. And I've also, uh, you know, I've got an InsureTech podcast, InsureTechGeek.com. Uh, Rob Galbraith is my co-host. He wrote End of Insurance as we know it. And so uh-huh. we... We just geek out on insure tech every week, and uh, you know it's 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 a it's a lot of fun. So that's that's a little bit about us. Again, of course, we're uh, we're in College Station, Texas. So if anybody's in Texas, I'd love to go see them and hang out in this uh, beautiful state. All right, uh, James. I know you have to go. Uh, perhaps we'll have a repeat of this sometime in the future. Really yeah. appreciate the time you spent with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it, and uh, big howdy to all your listeners. Have a wonderful day. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. 
If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.